The focus of this perek of peyah is really matnus haniyim which apply to trees. And the first two mishnayas discussed an olive tree, although we explained it to be referring to all trees. And the rest of the perek discusses a grapevine. Now there are two gifts which a farmer has to give from a grapevine, which only apply to a grapevine. The first one is peret, which are grapes which fall down. And the second one, which will be the focus of the next few mishnayas, is oilolos. Oilolos are underdeveloped clusters of grapes, which therefore don't have as many grapes on each cluster as they would have had it been fully ripe. The question of our Mishnah is, what is considered underdeveloped? How underdeveloped does it need to be in order to be considered oileles and therefore go to the poor? What is considered an oileles, an underdeveloped cluster of grapes, which therefore goes to the poor? Any cluster which doesn't have a shoulder or notif, which are drooping grapes at the bottom of the cluster. Now what on earth does that mean? So a normal ripe cluster is made up of one central branch, I guess you could call it, and coming off of that central branch are smaller secondary branches, and growing off of those secondary branches are the grapes themselves. Now these secondary branches, on a fully ripe cluster, there should be enough of them that all the grapes on one secondary branch rest on the grapes which are on the secondary um, branch below it. So the grapes all touching. And that is known as kosse, for shoulder. Just like somebody places a burden on their shoulder. So too the grapes, which are growing from a secondary branch, rest on and are technically carried by the grapes on the secondary branch below it. So if a cluster does not have a kosse, that means that there aren't enough grapes there, and there aren't enough grapes growing off the secondary clusters, the secondary branches, and therefore they don't rest on each other. Now, notif refers to the few grapes which grow towards the top of the central branch of each cluster. So towards the top of the central branch, there are no longer secondary branches growing off that. Rather, there are a few individual grapes which grow there and they drop downwards. So what the mission is telling us, that if a cluster has neither a kosef or a notif, so there aren't a lot of grapes on the secondary clusters and they're not tightly packed together, and there aren't any, or at least there aren't a few, individual grapes towards the tip of the central branch. So in that case, this would be considered an oileles, and would therefore go to the poor. However, says the Mishnah, if it has either a kosef or a notif, it has just one of them, nevertheless, it would belong to the owner, because it's considered developed enough that it is not oileles. Now what happens in Sophic? If it's a doubt as to whether it's got either a kosef or a notif, for example, you're not sure whether the grapes on the secondary branches are close and packed together enough. In that case, like we've seen once already in the Masechta, it would go to the poor people, because whenever there's a doubtful case as to whether something belongs to the poor people or the owner can keep it, it goes to the poor people, and this is learnt from the Pasuk, you should leave them for the poor person and the convert. And as we mentioned when we learned it the first time, this is an exception to the general rule of that if somebody is taking something from somebody else, he has to prove that he's entitled to it. And if he can't prove it, then he doesn't get it. So in this case, since the poor people can't prove that it has a kosef or notif, they should not be able to get it. But in this case, it's an exception because of that posuk, which teaches that that if you have a case where it's a doubt as to whether a poor person is entitled to a certain produce, the poor person does get it. Continues the Mishnah. What happens if a farmer has a lelis shabar kuba and a lelis at the joint? So you have a small bunch of grapes, which are not tightly packed together, and this small bunch is growing out of the place where a secondary branch 
grows out of the central branch. So you've got the central branch with secondary branches coming out of it, and at the same place that one of the secondary branches come out comes out of it, a small bunch of grapes also comes out of the same spot. Now this small bunch does not have grapes which are tightly packed together. Which means that if we view it as coming straight off the main branch, so this would be considered a secondary branch, which has the characteristics of an oleles. So it would be considered oleles and would go to the pool. However, if we view it as coming off of that secondary branch, which is right there next next to it and growing from the same spot as it, then it's considered part of that cluster, that secondary branch. And so, just like that cluster would not be considered oleles, so too this bunch of grapes would not be considered oleles. So the Mishnah says, "Im nikretsesim o eshkol." If this small bunch of grapes is cut with the secondary branch. Meaning, if you cut off the secondary branch, the small bunch of grapes will be cut off with it and still be attached to it. So, in that case, we would view this small bunch of grapes as part of the secondary branch, and therefore not oileles harihishabalabayes. It would belong to the owner vimlav. But if not, meaning if you cut off that secondary branch and this small bunch remains on the main branch. So this underdeveloped small bunch of grapes is coming directly off the main branch, and therefore harihi shalaniem. It would go to the poor people because it is considered oleles. So to summarize that point, if an underdeveloped bunch of grapes grows from a secondary branch, then it's just considered like individual grapes growing from the second br- secondary branch, and therefore it's not oleles. But if it's growing from the main branch, then it has the status of a secondary branch. So if it's underdeveloped, then it would be considered oleles and would go to the poor. Now we come to the last case of the mission. Now, what happens if you have gargarichidi, individual grapes growing along the entire main branch, and they're growing very close to each other? However, there aren't really any secondary branches from which other grapes are growing. The secondary branch is the grape itself. So Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, "Eshkel, this is considered a normal cluster of grapes, and the owner can keep it because, according to Rabbi Yehuda, a kosef, a shoulder." Means that they have to be t- um, growing very close to each other, and over here they are growing very close to each other. And notif means there have to be a few individual grapes at the top, and there certainly is a notif here. However, this entire thing is considered an oleles, and therefore goes to the poor people because even though they're very close to each other, they haven't got the normal structure of a cluster of grapes, and therefore they are considered underdeveloped. They are considered oleles, and therefore they are given to the poor. Mishnah hey, one who does the process of meidel with vines. Meidel, as we have seen already in the Masechta is when there's lots of produce growing together, and there's not enough space for all of the produce to grow properly. So Meidal is when he takes out part of the produce in order to give enough space and nutrients to the rest of the produce around it. So the question arises as to whether the farmer is allowed to take part of the poor person's produce, or what will become the poor person's produce, in order to allow the rest of the produce to grow to a better quality, says the Mishnah, according to the first opinion, just like he can remove part of the produce of his own, so too he can remove part of the produce, which would end up going to the poor people. And the way we're going to understand this Mishnah is that it's specifically referring to Eulalais. Some include Peah, but most understand it to just be referring to Eulalais. That is the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. And the reason for Rabbi Yehuda is because he views the poor person's entitlement to the Eudelais as a partner. It's as if the poor person is a partner in the owner's field. Now the halacha is that if I want to perform this process of medel on a partner's produce, produce which I own together with a partner, I'm allowed to. It will end up improving his produce and my produce. And so too with the poor person, we view him as a partner and therefore I'm allowed to perform medel to part of his produce as well.
However, Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Meir says, he's allowed to remove part of his own produce, but for he hasn't got permission to remove any of the poor people's produce. And the reason for Rabbi Meir is because he views the poor person not as a partner in the person's field, but as a buyer, a receiver of part of the produce. Now, if somebody sells their produce to somebody else, and the buyer has not yet collected it, the seller can't start removing part of his produce. So, Mayor says the same applies to a poor person, and therefore all the oilers have to remain there, and cannot be removed, even if, by removing them, he will end up improving the field, and ultimately improving even the oilers. Mishnah Vov. The halacha is that if somebody plants a fruit tree, he may not benefit from its fruit for the first three years, and during that time, it's called orla. Then it comes to the fourth year, and in the fourth year, there's a mitzvah called netaravoi, and that is that all of the fourth year produce cannot just be eaten anywhere, rather it's considered holy and it has to be eaten in Yerushalayim. The owner can keep it and eat it for himself, but he has to do so in Yerushalayim. Now this is very similar to Maser Sheni. Maser Sheni is a tenth of one's produce, which he has to separate in certain years of the Shemitah cycle, not every year, but in certain years he has to separate a tenth of his produce, and bring it up and eat it in Yerushalayim. And there are other similarities between these two. For example, if somebody doesn't want to bring up all their produce to Yerushalayim, that's a big effort, he's allowed to redeem their holiness onto money, so now the fruit become like normal fruit, you can eat that anywhere, and the money have that holiness within them. And then he has to go up to Yerushalayim, spend that money on produce in Yerushalayim, and eat it there. Now when it comes to Master Shani, if somebody redeems their produce onto money, and then uses the money to buy produce in Yerushalayim, the Torah says, He has to add a fifth of its value onto it. So he'll redeem the produce onto money which is worth a fifth more than what the produce was worth. The truth is, it's actually a quarter, but we're not going to go into that now. It's known as a chaymesh, a fifth. Now that halacha of adding on a fifth when you redeem it, is only said with regards to Master Shani but not netaravoy, not the fourth-year produce. Another thing which is only said with regards to Maser Shani is beer. Beer occurs twice in seven years, and that is when all of the tithes, all of the maestras, for the kanen, the levim, the poor people, they have to be given by that date. It's Erev Pesach, actually, twice in seven years. And when it comes to Maser Shani, well, Maser Shani belongs to the owner himself. So what has he got to do by Erev Pesach? He already has it. The answer is, if he hasn't eaten the Maser Shani by Erev Pesach, then he needs to destroy that Maser Shani. That is the beer which applies to Maser Shani. The question of our Mishnah is whether these two things, Choymesh, which is adding a fifth onto the value when you redeem it, and beer, which is destroying it, whether those apply to Netaravoi, even though the Torah does not mention these with regards to Netaravoi. So the Mishnah says, Kerem Revoi a vineyard which is in its fourth year, and there's actually a discussion in the Gemara as to whether the whole halacha of Netaravoi only applies to vineyards, or whether it applies to all trees. For now, we'll assume that it applies to all trees, and the Mishnah is just using the example of a vineyard. So Bisham, I mean Bisham, I say, Chomesh does not apply to it. You do not need to add a fifth when you redeem it, the produce onto money. And as well as that, beer does not apply to it. You do not need to destroy or have eaten the netaravoi by air of Pesach twice in seven years. That only applies to Maser Shani. However, Beishilom and Beishil say Yeshloi, these two things do apply to netaravoi as well. And Beishil's reason is because they learn a Gezeir Shava. A Gezeir Shava is when you have one word in one Pesach, and you have the same word or a very similar word in another totally different Pesach. But because you have the same words, you can apply a law from one Pesach to the other Pesach. So in our case, the word Kodesh, holy, is used when talking about Master Shani and when talking about Netaravoi. And therefore, Beis Hill will apply the laws of Master Shani onto Netaravoi. 
So just like Chumesh and Beer applied to Master Shani, so too, according to Beis Hillel, they apply it to Neta Revoi. Now, Master Shani produce, even though the owner is allowed to eat it, and he needs to eat it, it's still not technically halachically considered his property. It's known as Momon Gavoya, high up money, money of Hashem, as it were. And because of that, just like Hekdush property, property which belongs to the Beis Hamikdash, is exempt from the gifts to, which go to the poor people, so too one does not need to separate the gifts from Maisa Shani produce. The question is, what status does Netaravoy have? So we're going to have the same Achleikas. According to Beis Hillel, who have this Gezer Shava which compares Maisa Shani to Netaravoy, Netaravoy will also be considered Momon Govoya, not his own money, rather similar to Hekdush, and therefore it will be exempt from the tithes. However, according to Beis Shammai, it is still considered the owner's money, and therefore Yeshlo Peret Vyeshlo Ololois. Both Peret and Ololois do apply to it. Remember, Peret is the grapes which fall off the cluster, and Ololois are the underdeveloped grapes or clusters. So, according to Beis Shammai, these apply to Netaravoy, just like any normal field. However, now the poor people will have Netaravoy produce, which means that they have to eat it in Yerushalayim. And the poor people should redeem it for themselves, which means if they don't want to take out the actual produce to Yerushalayim, they can redeem it onto money and take the money to Yerushalayim. Or if they want, they can take the actual produce. The point of the mission is just to say that even though it's been given to the poor people, it still has the status of Netaravoy, and therefore must only be eaten in Yerushalayim. However, they still, they still say, if the owner wants to, then gas, he can take all of his grapes to the wine press and press all of them into wine. This is just an example of what he can do. The point is, he can do the same thing with all of them, because all of the grapes belong to him. Again, what's Basil's reason? Because since Netaravoy is compared to Master Shani, and just like Master Shani is Momon Govoya, it doesn't belong to him, and therefore it's exempt from the tithes. So, too, the same applies to Netaravoy, and therefore he can make it all into wine. But remember, this is still Netaravoy produce, so he will need to eat this or redeem it onto money and bring that to Yerushalayim. Mission Zion, Kerem Shekule Ololois. A vineyard which is totally full of underdeveloped clusters of grapes, and there are no fully developed grapes, which means that you would think, under the normal halachas of Ololois, all of the produce of the field should go to the poor people. However, surprisingly, Rebeliezer and Rebeliezer says, It all goes to the owner. It goes to the poor people, as you may have expected. So what's Rabbi Yezer's reasoning? Omar Rabbi Yezer, said, The Torah says, When you harvest the field, then you can't take the oilers for yourself. Which implies that if there's no harvested produce, if there's no part of the harvest which goes to the owner, and there's no way for the owner to benefit from the harvest, then from where will there be oilers? Oilers are meant to come from the owner's harvest. If the owner has no harvest, he can't keep any of it, then the poor people shouldn't be able to get oilers. However, Omar Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva said back to Rabbi Yezer, I've got another posuk. The Torah elsewhere says, You cannot take the oilers from your vineyard. And there it doesn't mention you harvesting, which implies that even even if the entire field is oilers, you still can't take the oilers for yourself, and therefore you should go to the poor people. So that's where Rabbi Akiva replied to Rabbi Yezer. However, we've got a problem, because Rabbi Yezer had a good proof from another posuk. So how will Rabbi Akiva explain Rabbi Yezer's posuk? In Cain, if so, according to Rabbi Akiva, Why does the Torah say, when you harvest, then you can't take the oilers? 
which implies that when there is no harvest for the owner to keep, then the poor people will not get the oilalos. The answer is, it teaches us something else. That Now the poor people are not entitled to take the oilalos before the harvest. The Torah is not saying, only if you harvest some for yourself, then you have to give the oilalos to the poor people. Rather, it's saying, when you harvest the field, then you've got to give the oilalos to the poor people. The Torah is prescribing a time for when the poor people can come and take the oilalos. But before you harvest the field, it still belongs to the owner, and the poor people will only be able to collect the oilalos once the field, once the vineyard has been harvested.